Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. We are back following an enormous week. Win over Providence in a raucous environment at the dunk. A pedestrian win versus Georgetown. We'll get into all of that. Big week coming up. One game, but this game's a big one. At UConn. In the XL Center in Hartford in Connecticut, ranked versus ranked, a big one coming up. But first, Rob, what are you drinking? All right. We're recording at night. I'm back on the alcohol train, baby. And I will tell you a warning to our listeners. I am jacked up. I don't know what it is, but the energy level is high right now. So you got to deal with it. So to answer your question, Chris, I'm drinking a little tealing whiskey direct from the great country of Ireland, one of my favorites. So let's go. I love to hear that. I Look, we went 2-0 and o after I drank Maker's Mark last week. So mm. I'm sticking with it. Not coming off the Maker's Mark until we take an L. Ooh, okay, okay. okay. So, but, so, so, so April so April 1st. April, April 1st, 1st so. maybe later. Maybe later. Maybe November. <laughs> wow, yeah. So you never know. I mean, you never, you never know. As right. long as we don't take that Juwan Howard punchers uh, punch to the face, we'll be okay. Yes. So, so that's a good entry. You mentioned that we're at night. This is Sunday night, 8.30 p.m. But before we get into anything else, this episode is brought to you by Homefield and their coming Villanova collection. If you don't know them, Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. It's incredibly comfortable stuff, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Rob, I don't know about you, but like when they announced that they were coming, when they kind of reached out to us, I was so jazzed. I almost just tweeted the direct message and I, we weren't allowed to do that. So I couldn't, um, but I was so freaking jacked up that home field was going to finally it, bring out Villanova gear. It's, it's been a long time coming. I will say you know I'm big on the vintage stuff. We are always talking on the podcast how we want some more of those vintage logos. So we've got it. We've seen we've seen a little preview already. There's some pretty cool stuff coming. So I'm definitely yeah. gonna definitely gonna check that out. Yeah, we're gonna get into that. Homefield is kicking off big new Saturday season three. They launch a new school every Saturday for eight weeks straight, and we're week six, which is this upcoming Saturday, oh. February 26th. They I love it. they dug through the archives, guys. There is some. Um, I mean. I can't tell you everything about each piece of apparel, but there is some '90s dinosaur letters. There's some. <laughs> there's some '80s. There's some '80s stuff. There's some good stuff in there, and I think you're gonna love it. Um, 14 pieces total in the collection: t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, um, all vintage stuff. And for our listeners, a very special announcement. New customers to Homefield can get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield with code FULL40, F-U-L-L-4-0, at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. So, big time stuff. 
Get excited again. I'm excited. Full 40, F U L L 40 for 15% off your first purchase from Home Field. Wait till next Saturday for the Villanova collection to drop. It's going to be awesome and you got to love it. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Big, big show today. What do we got? We talked about it. We're going to talk about the games that were played. We're going to hand out the awards. It's going to jump right into the awards in just a second. We have, uh, we're going to recap Providence. We're going to kind of recap Georgetown. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those narratives that we've been talking about all season long. We're going to go over our, our little set. You might have seen it on socials. Our, um, our I guess, what, what do we call it? What, 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 our on-campus journalist, on-campus, on-campus reporter. On-campus uh, reporter, yeah. Tessa Peloso. Um, did a did a did a vibe check at students. We're gonna talk about that. I, I loved it. I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. We gotta talk about the bracket preview. Yes. Um, a lot of saw a lot of you guys on our um, spaces uh, yesterday, um, which was awesome. Talk a little bit about the national picture. Big time, Big East week, and it's coming down to the wire as we race towards the Big East tournament. In addition to the NCAA tournament, gotta talk about that. And then finally, <laughs> after all of that stuff, we have a special guest coming on, Rob Doster from um, the Field of 68, big time journalist coming on. He's a UConn fan. Mm. He hosts a, he hosts we'll a, a, he hosts a UConn podcast called Top Dogs that is on the Field of 68. He's coming on to preview the Connecticut game at Connecticut. Rob, there's nothing left to do. We got to jump into this. Let's, it's going to be action packed. Like it's, this, we got to go. We got to go. Our favorite favorite time of the year. We're just absolutely hitting it. The schedule worked out for us too. We're not ending with clunkers. Like this is great. Like yeah, it's basically fucking March. Let's it, rock and roll. It's basically fucking March. It's great. We're going to start on a down note though. We're going to hand out the pass the fucking ball award. Just get it out of the way. Just We're going to get out of the way. Though. That's that's the goal here. We're just trying to get it out of the way so we can focus on all the other cool stuff. Move, pass bitch. the fucking ball get award. Get out of the way. Okay. Whoa. That's my job. I'm the one who. Yes. Chris is bad rapping. Bad raps on this podcast. Rob, know your role. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Pass the fucking ball award goes to the whole team for that dog shit performance versus Georgetown yesterday. Okay. And like I posted online, I want to talk about this for a second. I posted online, bad win, whatever. But I posted that tweet yeah. and I got people responding back to me. No wins a bad win in the big East. Duh. And I'm like, I, I love the talk track, but guys, Jay Wright might say that in the press conference, the moment Jay Wright enters that locker room, he is lighting those guys the fuck up. Okay. Oh Let's just Absolutely. call a spade a spade here. That was yes. a terrible game yesterday. We played like shit. And the only reason that we're better is because we're a better culture, better program and Georgetown sucks. So that's the they're, reason we won. They're the terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like they're business. terrible, terrible. They, they, these guys are Ken Palm number like 190. Okay. This is if, if we play like that, if we play like we did yesterday in the 314, 215 game, we're gonna lose. I get I like like we're going to lose now. Now, what do I think happened? These guys had a letdown game. Okay. It happens. Like happens. everyone likes to say, oh no, letdown games, you know, no, whatever. Like it's a letdown game. No, I mean we haven't, and we'll get into this in the Providence game. Like 
we haven't come off a game with that level of emotional intensity combined with physical intensity combined with like having to prepare for that since I would argue the 2018 tournament. So that trajectory is not at all surprising to me. So I'm with you. Like it's, it's not a good win. Call it what it is. That said, it is a win. Yeah. Take it. Crisis averted. Crisis averted. Move on. Move on. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to move on. There's nothing else to talk about in that Georgetown game. Done. The alpha dog of the week. We already announced it. We didn't wait. There was no need to fucking wait. Colin Gillespie. Arf, arf. Arf, arf. Big. 33 alpha dog of the week. Big time points against Providence at the dunk. I love the anecdote that Andrew Catalan um, and Steve Lapis shared towards the end of that game that they were like, he walked out. The fans absolutely got right on top of him, just riding him. And he winks at them and, and is like smiling, laughing, just like knowing that he's a killer and he's yeah. not scared of them. He thinks it's fun. He's happy they're back, right? Like he's happy that they're there. He wanted to play, he played dead arenas last year. He absolutely. That. Absolutely. He didn't want that. He wanted to play in, a, in, a, in an arena where people absolutely hate his guts and shut them up and shut them up is what he did with the Shaq fit man play of the week. An unusual man play, but a man play nonetheless. Colin, late in the game. Everyone knows the play. You've all seen the replay by now. Pick is set. They sag off of him for one second. Colin and his enormous cojones launches a three. Absolutely wet from the get-go. Just right down. Dagger and then some. Ends the game. It's over. Colin Gillespie, we're up five. They have no hope left. Game over. That's our Shaq Fit Man play of the week. We typically, Rob, do not give it to like a shot. Yeah, we, we debated this a little bit because when we were talking about it, you're like, oh, I think that, that's got to be it. And like, but it's, but it's, it's just not what we're typically talking about. But I think when you take the step back and you think about what that man play represents, it represents that absolute throwdown, that killer moment that turns the game, the payoff, the culmination of all that hard work in the gym and all that practice. And that moment absolutely epitomizes it to me. Colin's got to get it. I will say I tried to almost give him a rare three award week and give him the pass the fucking ball award for his Georgetown performance because it was it was a little bit weird. But I think we took the right approach there. So Colin takes two of the awards, absolutely deserves them this week. Look, I got to say, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I've been a little bit up, a little bit down on Colin Colin this year. This game, I haven't seen him that pumped, that excited about a game in a long time. Obviously, we've played some big games in the last year. We have some played UCLA, we played Baylor this year. There was just something about this team, and maybe it was the arena, the environment, Colin feeling like he had something to prove again, but it absolutely brought out that killer instinct that I feel like had been missing a little bit from Colin. And honestly, from this team, like from a fan's perspective, this team just looked different and it felt different. And I have to imagine, like, Hat tip to the Providence fans at the dunk. That arena was rocking. And getting into that environment, you have to know just kind of 
jacks up your excitement level. And we talked a little bit about it earlier, has to jack up your emotion level and just get these guys playing at a higher caliber level. Cause it was just an awesome game to watch. Yeah. Too. It was, I mean, what an, what an advertisement for the big East that to, to, to be on CBS sports network. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Killer. Killer. I mean, just absolutely killer. But it seemed like the whole world, the whole con- the whole country was talking about Villanova versus Providence. It was talking about Colin Gillespie coming out of that game. So everyone paid attention to it, even if they don't have CBS Sports Network. <laughs> everyone was the college basketball universe was locked in at the dunk. And to Providence's credit, yeah. there were a lot of questions about Providence and everything like that. And they reinvigorated some of those questions with a questionable performance. Um, needing overtime to beat Butler by one uh, today. But I think Providence rang the bell too. Providence played pretty well. They made they some did. bad mistakes down the stretch, which was unlike them. Um, I just think it was one of those situations where they ran into a team that was equally experienced. And so, and so they're like a team of super seniors and seniors. We are also a team of super seniors and seniors. Yeah. That also just has a little bit more pedigree. Um, and a guy named Colin Gillespie, who was an all-American caliber player. So, so what happened? The, 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 the biggest stars shined on the brightest stage uh, of the conference this season. And that's it. And what more can you say? I mean, honestly, what more can you say? I know, we, like, you, you, you brought up the pat. Rob, I want to correct you a little bit. You've been, yeah. been up and down on Colin Gillespie. You've just been to the point where you've seen him for five years. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, like, I want to correct you because like, I feel like, I, I feel like you didn't avail your point very well. I, I think, I think five you stated years better, yeah. and you want to see some new blood or whatever. That might be some, there's maybe a boredom factor, whatever that may yeah. be. Um, but the, you've never doubted Colin Gillespie. You've never been like, like thought that Colin wasn't good. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. And on this podcast, we've been singing Colin's praises from, from the get go. Totally. I mean, I mean, I kind of no. jinxed Colin on this podcast going way back to a 30 point performance he had against Georgetown like several years ago. I was like, Colin yeah. might end up as the best three point shooter in Villanova history. And oh, God. Yeah. Immediately went on a slump for like an entire year. No, I, I think you're right in that. I, what we what excites me is, as we talked about before, you get to see the guys grow. You get to see people change and evolve and take things to another level. And we've seen Colin been operating at this top Big East level for a while now. So you almost kind of wanted to see, is there something else there? And I think we saw that in the Providence game. You saw like, Oh shit, there's there's another level of killer here if we need it. And we're, and we're going to need it come tournament time because he had 33, Justin had 19, 18 in the first half. Like, yeah, goodness gracious. Hold on. But like we're gonna need the other guys to chip into, but we'll need some of those killer performances. Ten sure. minutes into the game, if I told if, if I told you that someone was gonna go for thirty three and it wasn't gonna be Justin Moore, you would have been like, "You're fucking crazy." Hundred percent, absolutely, totally agree. Totally right? Agree. Like, like I mean, Justin Moore absolutely got us going in that game. He was, yeah, red hot. <laughs> I got I got to say, there was um, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Obviously, we're not doing a lot of X's and O's. I think people are just like jacked up about this game. So like, I want to keep on the jacked up element, like. I literally haven't been this pumped after a game since the 2018 title. Obviously we've had some fun games. We've had some important, relatively important games since then, but nothing kind of brought this level of energy where we finished that game. just like, yes, like I am pumped up. Let's go. Let's bring on next. And it felt like 
it felt like you're leading into something. And, and frankly, I think that was reflected in, you know, the Twitter spaces that, that we hosted afterwards to where there were literally hundreds, I, I feel like we're exaggerating, but hundreds of people yes. in the space because everybody else was jacked up, but the rest of the Big East was jacked up about this yeah. game too. Yeah, we had we had fans from like seven different schools in that in that Twitter wild. spaces after the Absolutely game. I mean, it, it was hilarious. I mean, like I I just at some point in time just like went on autopilot and just let the Providence and I was just alternating between Providence and UConn fans because the UConn fans were just doing all the work from the purpose of of just absolutely needling the fuck out of yeah. the Providence fans and it was just an electric environment in there. It was great. Um, it was great. I'm sorry, yeah. Rob. Can I can I weigh in for a second here? Yeah, please, please do. Remember, Kansas was ranked number one, and we beat them in 2020 at the Wells Fargo. That you, you didn't feel anything on that. That was just a <laughs> yeah. standard run-of-the-mill win. No, it, it, not only that, it also ended on a Jermaine Samuels like fucking point three. Yeah. Yes. So, so but after the game, you were like, "Yeah, you feel it all, man. It's what we do." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, I will say there was a little bit of almost like, almost like, what are the stakes? I, I feel like, look, it, it, you're asking me to remember a couple of years ago. I'm just, I'm just probably bullshitting at this point. Let's call it what it is. Um, but like, it's like, what, what were the stakes of that? Yeah, it was a big win in December. Yep. You know, yeah, that's fair. That, that's great. Like, this was, a, and that was still like, I don't know. It felt like the the championship was still relatively recent. Now we're a few years and a couple of years of COVID removed from a title. So I'm kind of like, all right, we haven't been in this like absolute let's get jacked up for something mindset and this to me was at it was going into an away arena and wow into an away arena of i can't talk you know what i'm trying to say it's really it's really yeah no you know what you you answered the bell there that was it was a good response okay i'll add to that i'll add to that brian The, the the other point is that a timing of the year matters but b the way the game was played Right. Like the Kansas game was a rock fight. We knew that we didn't have them on talent. So we, so we like slowed the game down and turned it into an absolute slug fest. So, so, and, and we had the last shot and Jermaine hit it. Right. Like, and that was awesome. It was fun. It was cool. It was, it was amazing. And the program needed it at that time. Um, and that season would have turned out pretty good, you know, whatever. This win showed us something about this team that we hadn't previously mm, seen. Mm. Yeah, well said. That well was said. the point. That was my overall takeaway. A, on the road, tight game, tight environment, make the winning plays down the stretch, Yeah. right? That was A. B, win over a top 10 team, which we hadn't did, done before. So I, I think this team showed us something down the stretch. And I think Colin and Justin showed us an extra gear that they have. Um, which I think that we were all waiting for um, very patiently, I might add, yeah. and sometimes yeah. impatiently um, uh, down the stretch. But anyway, all I right. was five days in the past. We got a lot to talk about here. Yeah. So we're going to move on. Um, we talked about our reaction to the game. Can we spend a couple of minutes on, on some of the, the on-campus reactions to the game as well? Oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. So, so we got a shout. We shouted at the, at the top of the show. Um, our on-campus reporter, Tessa, went out, talked to a bunch of students after the game. I think she was on campus on Thursday. She's definitely going to be back on campus in the coming weeks, so absolutely take a look out for her. She did some awesome interviews with students to just get a sense of whether they were watching the games, what their takes were, 
all of that good stuff. It was, uh, and, and I got to say, my takeaway from it was, it was a mixed bag of which I thoroughly enjoyed watching. Um, Chris, did you have any highlights or, or do you want me to want me to take it out? Because I've got a couple I mean, that stood out to me. I mean, so there's a lot that stood out to me. That. It was all over the place. Um, but it goes to show you, it's a school of 6,400 undergrads, right? It's not big by any stretch of the imagination, but but like we get 1,500 students at the games, right? Like yeah, 2,000 yeah. at the Wells Fargo Center. It shows you that in order to get like, you know, you got to get like 40% of your, of your current student body, like into basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and so what we saw was about a 50% hit rate. There was about 50% of the students that Tessa interviewed that were like, oh, I don't know. I follow them. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and then there was some people who were like, absolutely just rip it. And yeah. so I got to give shout outs to the two girls. Um, there was one tall girl. I forget her name. She's Kelly. 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 Senior, yeah. um, or she seemed tall relative to her friend, I, and and Tessa's relatively short, so yeah. Uh, but she, so she seemed relatively tall. Um, she knew her shit, like she was. Yes. Like I wanted to, I want her on the podcast. I want yeah. her to come she, on. She was confident. She's like, let's yeah. go. Then there was the other girl. There was a there was that whole Carly, group, was a, Carly, Carly, uh, in that group of three girls that Tessa yeah. was interviewing. Okay, this girl Carly knew her shit so stone cold and what was pissing me off about watching that was that one of her friends was wearing a duke hat and the other friend was laughing at her for knowing her shit i'm like no you have this backwards like the girl who knows her villanova basketball shit is clearly the the smart one of your group <laughs> yeah carly not only did carly know her villanova basketball she also knew her providence basketball she knew some of the stats about providence she'd absolutely done her research so Absolute hat tip to to Carly and Kelly. I think we're two of the highlights in my mind for sure. Like yeah. absolutely getting it done there. Um, what is a couple of the others that that didn't stand out or stood out for some of the wrong reasons? Um, actually, I'll start with one that was probably one of my favorites. Uh, Lily towards the end of the carousel. Just totally honest. You know, Tess asked her, you know, why are you why are you into Villanova basketball? And she said she was casually interested. She said, I like watching their butts. The guys look good in uniform. I mean, look, I I can't disagree. Shaq fit does work. It's called Shaq fit because he gets them fit. For a reason. I mean, mean, the whole entire country was talking about Josh Hart's, you know, double cake. So Lily Lily may have had the most accurate take of any of the interviews that happened. That's a fair point, Rob. That's a fair (laughs) point. So Lily will probably not listen to this podcast, but she should. Yes. And I I like, I will tip her hat. To my hat we, to her. Well. That. I, I got to talk about a problematic answer, potentially mm. problematic. Yeah, answer. yeah. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> One guy goes, oh, who are the, you know, we asked who the names of the teams, who are the names of the players on the team? Yeah. The guy rips off Colin Gillespie first. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, fine. Like, cool. Colin Gillespie is kind of the name of the, of the team. Um, and then he jumps to Chris Archie Diacono. And I'm like, oh, white, all white, all white. <laughs> I, I was, very confused how you got from Colin Gillespie to Chris Archie Diacono. I, I feel like you missed about seven or eight guys in between. Um, <laughs> Justin Moore, Eric Dixon, Jermaine Samuels has been on campus for like a million years. I don't know. Maybe one of those guys could come up in conversation beforehand. And I thought that was a little bit questionable. That if was, I'm being honest. 
That was that was really good. My other my other hot take. Um, this is Tim. Shout out to Tim. So I will say, Tim showed a lot of great insight, um, a lot of excitement about Villanova basketball. This one I think was just a little bit unfortunate in terms of the timing. Uh, Tessa asked him as as one of his follow ups, who's somebody who you're watching, maybe trending on the right side of things. Um, he happened to pick Chris Arch, who followed up who followed up the interview with, uh, with the questionable Georgetown performance. I'll just, I'll just say that much. So that was, uh, that was maybe a, maybe not a great pick on on Tim Spark, but Hey, look, we've all had bad takes. I've certainly had my fair share of them. So that's, that's just what happens, but all in all, I loved it. I loved the energy we got. Some of the folks really knew their stuff. Some of the folks, not so much, but thank you to everybody who participated. We'll Tessa will absolutely be back on campus. Um, we love getting oh, yeah. a vibe check and um, it was, it was really cool. Tessa's so you, sticking around. Tessa's yeah. sticking around. Just if you want to be, if you want to be featured, just give us a shout, you know, where to hit us up on, on the Twitter, on the IG and coming at you very soon on the TikTok as well. Just kidding. We're not going on TikTok. We we're could go on TikTok. I mean, we Rachel, could. We it's could. on Rachel. Rachel's just got to do it. If Rachel decides she wants to do TikTok, then we got, you know, we got TikTok, you know? No, nobody wants us on TikTok. The kids, no don't, want though, right, TikTok. The kids don't want us on TikTok. That's right. No pressure, Rachel. Um, All right. Bracket preview show. So thank you for everybody who joined our uh, Twitter spaces. Another another well-attended Twitter spaces there uh, on a middle of the day, uh, Saturday afternoon. So let's just run over it. Um, and Rob, this is a little nostalgic for us. Our first episode ever was the bracket preview show back four years ago. In four years ago. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely wild. And and so and so what is the bracket preview show? The NCAA tournament committee, literally the committee that selects the field, um, what like shows you inside, they give you a little insight. They say, right now, if the if the season were to end today, here are our top 16 teams and what region we'd set, we'd slate them into. And also they give you the order of the teams. So, so you get the one seeds, so you get four, one seeds, four, two seeds, four, three seeds, four, four seeds, but you also know one through 16 where they all rank. Yeah. Going into the bracket preview, we kind of assumed that Villanova would fall anywhere from seventh overall to about 10th overall. And where do we wind up? We wound up at ninth overall as the number one three seed. So, I mean, we nailed it. Um, we, yeah. nailed it. <laughs> we nailed we it. We nailed it. That's, that's step one. We did better than Joe Lenardi did. Um, uh, but, but neither here nor there. We also were very focused as to what region we got slated into. Mm. The committee did with Providence. We wanted to see what the committee did with Duke. Um, and so there's a couple things to unpack about about the bracket preview show uh, that 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 have a that that matter that that matter in the grand scheme of things here. So let's start with Duke because the one team that I kind of disagree with us being behind is Duke. The other teams you could kind of point to and and make sense of, like Purdue and Baylor. Like <laughs> we lost to Purdue. Yeah, we got fucking smoked by Baylor. And head to head doesn't necessarily matter. But those teams have also backed it up with wins throughout the season. So, so on top of those things, like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they'd be ahead. Duke, though, is the one team to talk about there because 
their resume is interesting. If you look at all the metrics, and when I say quality metrics, I mean like 10 Palm, Sagarin, BPI, et cetera. Villanova exceeds Duke in most of those metrics. And on top of that, on the resume metrics, also exceeds Duke. Uh, but what Duke has that Villanova does not have is Duke beat Gonzaga. And so, and so that is the reasoning for putting Duke as the final two seed over Villanova. Now, in my view, it worked to our benefit. Yeah. The bracket preview, the, the committee showed us going into the Eastern region, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Can we somehow wind up on the Eastern region? Um, because East region is at Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center. That's a home game for us. We all know it. Um, and the committee right now, has a slated into the East region. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm down for it. My reaction from this, from the preview was they give us Duke, or sorry, they gave us Kansas, Kentucky, and Wisconsin in yeah. Philadelphia. Sign me up. I'm good. Let's yeah. go. I'll take the three seed. I don't need the two. I'm happy. Like, yeah. let's rock and roll. We've got Bill Self's number, Kentucky whatever. Jay Wright's a pretty good coach. We're in Philly, Wisconsin. I heard Wisconsin's going to be down an assistant coach as they recover from Jawan Howard's punch, which we referenced earlier today. So <laughs> they may be not at their full faculties. It's unfortunate, but like that was my big takeaway from this is I'm totally comfortable with that set of teams. Yeah. So let's go for the tournament. Yeah. I, I, mean, start look, tomorrow. I mean, look, I was pretty happy with it too. Kentucky, we don't match up that great with Kentucky. I mean, we got to be honest about that. But if we're in Philadelphia, I feel a lot better about matching up with Kentucky. Yeah. Um, but but then you also look at the other teams on the two lines. Do I feel particularly great about matching up with Purdue again? No. <laughs> Do I feel great about going against Baylor again? No. <laughs> so, so no, I mean, nose goes on I that mean, one. Like, I mean, yeah. I think we would beat Duke, but from the athletic standpoint, we don't match up well with them either. So, I mean, like you're playing a team on the two line, the sweet 16 as a three seed at Villanova, like you're going to play a hard game. Like, the, so, the, yeah, the, that's my thing Eastern, too. If we can be in the East region, then, then that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. Like then, then we're putting ourselves in the best position to get past that game. Ironically enough, the other side to the, to your point, Kansas or Wisconsin in an elite eight game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sign me up. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sign me up. If in Philadelphia, hell yeah. But just listen to that bracket, by the way. Like, oh my God. Like the team that's a success that is in that bracket, like all time. Kansas, Kentucky, Villanova, Wisconsin. Like, oh my God. Just just the the media circus around around the Wells Fargo Center would just be absolutely electric if those teams all wind up there and make it that far. It would be pretty cool. I got to say, if that's the way it shakes out, Bill Self is going to be like, you're fucking kidding me. I'm oh, play, oh, I, I guarantee you. I got to play Villanova in Philadelphia, potentially. Like, come on. I guarantee you the first two calls that, this, that the tournament committee got were from John Calipari and Bill Self being like, fuck you if you think you're putting us with Jay Wright and the Villanova Wildcats in Philadelphia at their home arena. But yeah, well, well I don't now, care. Now, now the tournament, <laughs> can, now the tournament committee can be like, well, well, Jay has, has two national championships, Bill. You you just have one. Ooh. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Same sorry. with John Calipari. It's true. Ooh. It's true. It's true. This, these yeah. are things that are true statements. Jay is, Jay is 2-0 in national championship games. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. So quit your bitching. 
Wait, just win um, more. Just win yeah, more. That's that. that I mean, <laughs> simple as that, right? Yeah. Um. What 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 else did we notice about about the uh, about the bracket show? Providence. 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 Yeah. Let's talk about Providence. Yeah. Uh, Providence got the fifteenth overall pick, um, the second to last four seed. And again, um, and again, this happened after they lost to us. So it's baked they, in the loss. Yeah, they were baked in the loss. So they were, they're in that top four. That's awesome news. I feel better about us that there are two top four seeds coming out of the Big East. As of right now, that could change. Yeah. I actually think it's possible that UConn goes on a tear and UConn winds up in the top four seed. They're slated as a six seed right now. It's not that far of a jump um, because the end of the four line and the beginning of the six line are very tightly packed. Yeah. Um, and Providence falls out. But either way, you see the Big East coming in with two teams in the top 16. That's good news. That's good news for the conference. That means the conference has a good shot to get multiple teams into the second weekend. That is the name of the game. In my view, the name of the game for the conference this year is three. We need three Sweet 16 teams. That validates the conference. That doesn't mean that the Big East is back, but like that validates the conference in the season that we've had if we get three entrants into the Sweet 16. We're going to have six or seven opportunities um, to get there, but that backs it up. Now, a couple other takeaways from this selection show: the fact that Duke did get that last eight, uh, that last two seed, speaks to the fact that the committee is going to find a fucking way to get to get like four or five ACC teams in, even though that is an absolute poverty conference this year. That conference sucks; it is terrible. But they're going to find a way to work North Carolina into that first four. I guarantee it. They're going to find a way to do it because, oh, North Carolina in the first four, that'll get a lot of eyeballs. And they're right. They're right. But they're going to find a way to, to, to manufacture it and get them into that, in, into that, into that slot. Um, the other thing that you take away is that Wisconsin and Providence both had strong resumes, but did not have, um, did not have, uh, great quality metrics and Houston had great quality metrics, but not a good resume. Wisconsin and Providence wound up in the top 16. Houston did not. So interesting to see how the committee did preference resume a little bit here over metrics, or, or you would have seen Houston jump in. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, all right. So it was a crazy week in college basketball, of course. Uh, a lot of people might be wondering, where's Villanova going to wind up? I'm listening to this podcast on Monday morning. Where, where should I expect Villanova to be at noon on Monday in the AP poll? Well, after beating Providence, Baylor lost. But I don't think we're going to jump Baylor, given the head-to-head. I think we only climb one or two spots, eight or nine. I, I think we're, we'll jump Providence, of course. But I don't think we're going very far beyond that. Providence, I think, will fall back. Um, to about 11 or 12. UConn, though, has a good chance to jump way up because a lot of teams ahead of that, Michigan State lost twice, Texas lost, Wyoming lost. I think UConn has a chance to jump to like number 20. Uh, so, I, you know, that's good. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know, three teams in the top 20, I think, top 20, 21, I think the Big East will have uh, this year, uh, uh, this week. 
Okay. Not bad. So, right. little Big East talk. A little Big East talk. Can I, can, I, can I throw one thing in there? Because I forgot yeah. to mention it. I actually, I hate doing this during podcasts. Like, we moved past it and I missed an opportunity. I missed it. But it's, it's, it's too good. It's too good. Um, and this is, we have to shout out um, Colin's appearance on, on Barstool. Oh, uh, we, we fucked this up. We, yeah. we yeah. really, I was going to mention this earlier and I totally forgot. But another little social media shout, um, a hat tip to Rachel for finding this. It, Colin was on, was interviewed on Barstool and was asked basically like how he eats his steak or how he orders his steak. And, you know, normal answer, I'd say I'd expect medium, expect a medium rare, maybe, I mean, maybe it's just going all out, maybe a rare. Colin answers medium well. And when, and when pushed on it, doubles down. And like, you know, the guys are bantering. They're like, oh, you know, medium. Like they, they, they give him an out. They give him lots of outs. And he's like, no, I go, I go medium well. Like, this, yeah. this, this is terrible, love, this terrible love, judgment. I have, I have to laugh. I had to laugh. Because one of the guys goes like, what are you, a health nut? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it was such a, he deadpans the answer. Like, like yeah, yeah, I am. That, <laughs> actually, yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you heard of this guy called Shaq. Yeah. Uh, but but John Shackleton does not let me eat anything that uh, adds any fat to my body. So therefore, I am uh, not going to eat more than a medium well steak. Yeah. Um, but this was a tough look. This was yeah. a tough it, it, this, it, I can't support it. I can't support it. Look. Especially, wait, for a for an Outback Steakhouse sponsored athlete. Yeah. I don't know that Outback Steakhouse would recommend that for their patrons to order their steaks. Yeah. I, it, it could be a little bit of a clash. I don't know if there are NL, NIL implications from this. It's putting a lot of things at risk. Look, it's, if he said during the season, it, like if he elaborated more and said, uh, you know, during the season, like because of, you know, our health and safety stuff that we do on, uh, you know, on campus or whatever, I do medium well, even though it's not my favorite. And then I back it down to medium in the off season. Like, I bet, okay, okay, all right. No, like, no. But like, Stop. Look, I'm trying to give the guy out. Okay. Yeah, there, like, there's like, no like, out. There's no. He's 20. He's 22, 23. Like, give him. Like, we caught him a little bit of slack. You know. What everybody, I mean? so, everybody makes bad decisions. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Colin did here. Colin, he did. it almost, it almost convinced me to give him the pass the fucking ball over the week. I'll tell you that much. It's true. All right, Big East. Big we East. talked about where we think the Big East teams are going to wind up in the rankings. Um. But we have to talk a little bit about this conference that is coming down to an absolute cluster um, at the end of the season. It is wild in the Big East. Um, so we mentioned Providence. We beat them. Uh, so now we're in the control the destiny role here. Uh, if we went out, we win the Big East title. Uh, but Providence escaped at Hinkle today. One point overtime win over Butler to stay in first place in the conference. They lose that game. They drop to second place. Um, and then we're having a conversation where, like, we can lose to UConn and then beat Providence and beat Butler and win the conference. They did not do that. They held it together. They found a way to get it done. They were down big early in the game, and they came all the way back, rip-roaring all the way back and won that game. Kudos to them. They, they, they find ways to win those games, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, UConn and Crate, of all teams, are tied at third. That being said, UConn has a little bit of a more manageable finish. They play us, yes, but they play. De- I think they have DePaul and Georgetown left on their schedule. 
Mm. And and they do also go on the road to play Creighton, which is a revenge game for UConn. Um, so that UConn Creighton game could be a decisive game in terms of in terms of getting that third place uh, finish. Creighton, on the other hand, has a gauntlet to finish. They they visit all of a sudden red hot St. John's, like scorching red hot, blowing people out. St. John's very athletic. Uh, yeah, very athletic. Then they play at Providence, and then they play home versus UConn and Seton Hall. That's a tough finish yeah, uh, uh, for Creighton. So that third place might not last very long. Yeah, Marquette is a clear fifth. Um, they lost today to Creighton, uh, but but they're like pretty clear of the sixth place teams, which is a cluster. Um, Hall, Xavier, Seton Hall, Xavier, and St. John's are all like star-crossed right now, and they're trending wildly different directions. St. John's, as I mentioned, is trending way up. Seton Hall is kind of like, was kind of coming out of their January swoon, but they did just drop two to us in UConn, which you can kind of forgive um, because it was at those places. But Seton Hall has to find a way to get right. They beat DePaul uh, last night, but it took everything they had to get to get that W over DePaul at home. Um, and then Xavier has been, you know, falling off the wagon and Xavier fans are pissed. Xavier fans are absolutely pissed. This is like the, the third year in a row under Travis Steele where they've fallen off the wagon in February and yeah. the, and the X fans are getting impatient to say the least. Um, but they're all tied for six at seven and eight in the conference. Um, and then, and then, you know, we have Butler and DePaul kind of bringing up somewhat of the rear. Um, they're not easy outs, but they're clearly ninth and 10th. And then Georgetown is uh, still an offer. Um, but this, this, this matters a little bit. The top five get the bye in the Big East tournament, right? And then, and then six through 11, like six plays 11, seven plays 10, eight plays nine. Um, so they, the, all those teams play Wednesday. And so you're looking at a Wednesday that could actually be kind of interesting. Usually Wednesday, you're just like, oh, fuck that. I don't give a shit about Wednesday games. That's like the, that's like the DePaul, you know, that's like the Paul day. But now it's all of a sudden, like, you're, you're going to have Xavier in there. You're going to have Seton Hall in there. You're going to have St. John's. Well, cause, and also because it's, it's three games this year on Wednesday instead of it has been two. But since right. we've added UConn, it changed how we do it in terms of who gets that buy and what that the bracket right. looks like going forward. So, yeah, it definitely adds some more intrigue to Wednesday. Yeah, there's definitely some intrigue on that Wednesday. Um, and, then, and then everyone's jockeying to figure out where they want to even wind up. I mean – you and I have talked about this, right? Like there's a competitive thing, like as a fan, like we want to, you know, stake our claim and win the Big East regular season. But there's also the, from a pragmatic standpoint, eh, finishing second in the Big East and getting that 7 p.m. time, you know, tip time on, uh, on Thursday is pretty nice. Yeah. So, so you know, if we end up losing the conference by, you know, whatever winning percentage margin, to, to Providence. Am I going to be uh, distraught about it? Absolutely not. No, definitely not. Yeah. Not at all. all right. That kind of lays out everything we needed to lay out pre our conversation with Rob Douster. So we are going to take a small 30 second break, 20 second break, whatever Brian decides <laughs> is the break. Um, and then at the flip, at the other side of the break, we will be back with a conversation with Rob Douster previewing the UConn game. 
uh, the big time UConn game coming up this Tuesday. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a second. everybody welcome back it's the full 40 with chris and rob uh, we are here with rob doster uh from the field of 68 rob i know you do a ton of stuff there uh but i feel like every time because i feel like every time i log on twitter which is like most of the day there's a video of you and like john fanta playing live on my feed so i, I just need i won't do your credentials justice i know you played college hoop at basketball at, you know, at uh at Vassar years ago, 15 years ago, but I can't do justice to your resume. So can you give us a little bit of background? Well, first and foremost, thanks for dating me on that, making me seem <laughs> old. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, we're the same age. We graduated yeah. 2009, so we're the same age. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was a reporter for NBC for um, 12 years. I was part of their COVID cutbacks in August of 2020. Uh, and Jeff Goodman and I decided that we wanted to try to put together something of our own, and it ended up being the field of 68 and what it's kind of turned into this year is uh, in addition to all of these team uh, team specific podcasts that we have every night at 11 we do the field of 68 after dark which we're actually recording in about uh, 90 minutes here um, and it, it just it's turned into something where I, I wanted to try to replicate what baseball tonight was when I was growing up I just remember like during the summer right um, totally. would, I would come home and all I would do is like get home uh when I was like 13, 14 years old and throw on baseball tonight and just watch that every night at 11. And I, that just didn't exist in the college basketball space. And it was something that uh, we wanted to try to create. We found last year that Jeff and I did everything like uh, every morning at 9am, we were doing this like best bets, kind of half best bets, half recap show every morning. And we found that uh, we got so much more interaction when we do all of that the night before. So we just figured, Hey, you know, this is the time to try to put something together and, and see what works. And that's kind of what we've been doing with the field of 68 and the field of 68 after dark. And, you know, now it's simulcast on, on Sirius XM. So it's uh, it's taken off a little bit and it's it's been fun to watch this thing grow. It's Stressful. been awesome. It's Stressful, been awesome. But fun. <laughs> it's, it's been awesome to watch. I, I'm on it every I'm on it every night. I, I typically pick it up through Twitter, but uh, but I watch it almost ever like almost every time you guys are on because it's always fun. There's always a mix of different people who are on, um, whether it's you, whether it's uh, Fanta, whether it's T.O. It you know, I, I love I love the podcast that you guys do, the, the Doster, T.O. and Fanta podcast. I love that. Um, the content's great. And I think you guys bring like a ton of value in terms of just like being able to like, hey, I just watched a bunch of games. This was awesome. And now I want to hear people talk about it. And so, I mean, that's why we started our podcast for Villanova. Um, but the fact that you guys are are doing that is is terrific, and I'm glad to see you guys are doing well. well with I it. mean, that's kind of what that's what people want, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 there's there's teams that I'm fans of that I'm a fan of, right? And after the games are over, especially if it's like a huge win, all I want to do is listen to other people that are either cover the team, really know the team, or are fans of the team talk about it. Yeah, right. Because it's not like you know, my favorite. I, I don't know if you could see it over here but i got my tottenham hotspur scarf over here right, right? I'm, a right. Spur, I'm a spur support oh. and they that's beat a, that's a they, tough life rob 
It Tough is. Fight. It is. But they beat City yeah, on uh, on Saturday, right? Amazing. And it was game. like one yeah. of the, the most ridiculous endings that you'll ever see. And there's one like Spurs podcast that I listened to, and they 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 went live like immediately afterwards. They were just like, yeah, we're not going to wait. We're just going to go right now because they knew that's all anybody wanted to listen to. Like people want that that immediate reaction. And uh, it's been it's been fun to see. We've gotten to the point where um, when you set up like the YouTube stream, you can see people kind of queuing up and, and, and waiting to get in. And like we'll have 100 people waiting at the start of the show. And it's just kind of like, OK, people are starting to they're coming back. This isn't just something where um, it, you're getting lucky with Google searches or the YouTube algorithms where there are people that are actively searching this out and coming back. And it's, it's been fun to watch it grow like that. Yeah, it's, it, it's terrific. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, the other night we hosted a Twitter spaces like after the Providence UConn, I mean, the Providence Nova game. And there was like 300 people on there from like all different fan bases because they were like jacked up after watching the game. Then after we sign off, I'm like ready to go to bed and Fanta sends his link out. He hosts another spaces <laughs> for another couple hours. I was up to like two 30 in the morning, just yeah. talking college hoops. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's what, that's, what's great about it is because you can't it college basketball is always going to be a little bit of a niche sport, right? Because it's never going to be as big as the NBA because you don't, it's not a professional um, it's not pro team. So the quality of basketball is never going to be as good. You don't have the same kind of star power. Like people are going to tune in to watch LeBron or watch Steph or watch John Morant or watch uh, LaMelo, like whoever it is, they're turning in to watch those stars. And you're not going to get that at the college level. It's never going to be better than football or uh, bigger than football because that's the, that's the sport in America. So when you have all of these national shows that need to cover sports and need to get as many eyeballs as possible, you're always going to have them going back to what gets them the most interaction and the most eyeballs and the most people paying attention. And that's always going to end up being something NFL, something college football, uh, something NBA. It's, it's difficult to find good quality national coverage for college hoops, which is why like stuff like this pops up. And it's also just so much more spread out, right? It, in the NBA, you have 32 teams and you probably have 10 that actually matter. Right. right? In college basketball, there, there are like a hundred teams that actually quote unquote, matter right there's probably 40 to 50 that have fan bases that are diehard and going to watch are going to pay attention to every single game it's just when you get it that spread out and that kind of i think diluted is probably the best word you're never going to have massive numbers for each of these specific teams but it doesn't mean that there's not this entire population of people that love college basketball so that's that was our vision it's just trying to tap into all of these little kind of pockets where college basketball matters more than anything else on the planet. And uh, I don't know if we've fully done that, but it's, it's been fun to be able to watch. Like we have Texas tech fans that completely flood our chat on YouTube. At this point, we have <laughs> Auburn fans that anytime we do anything, Auburn, they're just going nuts for it on, on Twitter. Um, it, it's, it's been enjoyable to see like the, it's exactly what we're looking for. These little pockets of fans that don't get enough of the coverage that they want have just been, flocking to us because they need it they want it yep. and and so hopefully we're giving them something that they want that's terrific that's terrific i love it well you also host the top dogs podcast that's probably about, why i'm here right yeah that's why you're here <laughs> about yukon um and and that's what we're here to talk about villanova um and yukon have an enormous matchup i mean last week's podcast we were talking about villanova providence as the game of the year in the conference. I think you could argue that this is the game of the year of the conference now that that one's behind us. 
Um, Tuesday night, Excel Center in Hartford at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. So on, a, on, a, on the bigger channel um, from a Big East standpoint. Um, Nova's looking like they're probably going to be ranked in the AP poll, like about eight or nine tomorrow. UConn might get up to 20, um, 21, 20. Uh, because UConn's been on a little bit of a roll of late. Uh, so, you know, I, this is a huge game with massive implications, uh, both in terms of, uh, of Big East tournament seeding. I think UConn has a chance if they win here and get a couple of W's down the stretch, um, which is a, somewhat of a manageable schedule. I think UConn has a chance to somehow crack into that top four seed line um, somehow, although being a six, which is where most of the bracketologists have it now, is kind of a dangerous spot to be in. I kind of like that spot um, as a six seed. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot on the line in terms of, uh, in terms of what's going on with uh, Villanova and UConn on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be, it, it's a big game. Um, it's, it's, I think it's bigger for Villanova in the sense that this is, this is kind of like that last hurdle they have to get through to set themselves up for a game for the, uh, for the title, basically against yep. Providence, right. On what would that, that's that, that would end up being like a week, right. That's the following uh, Tuesday at the Finneran Pavilion. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the game that sets them up to be able to, um, to, to more or less win the league by beating Providence at home. So, um, there's a lot, there's a lot on the line for Villanova. They, 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 it's legitimately the Big East title is going to be on the line for Villanova in this game. Um, I, I, it matters for UConn. Uh, I do kind of feel like at this point, it's, it's, it's a little bit like UConn, UConn is playing with house money, right? Like you want yeah. to get right. You want to start playing uh, well heading into the tournament. You never want to lose a home game. It's Villanova. You always want to be able to take your shots against Villanova when you can. Um, and it would certainly help them with seeding because Villanova, Villanova was like what eighth in the net or something like that. Top 10. Uh, right now they're seventh in the net as of uh, this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're up there. So obviously this would be a great win for your resume and it might even be enough to get you from that kind of like five, six range to maybe more of like the four or five range, uh, like you mentioned, but uh, it's not at the end of the day, I think it's, it's basically going to be like um, you're playing for the the three or the four seed in the big East tournament. And frankly, I think if we're going to assume that Providence has the number one overall seed in the biggest big East tournament, you might want that four seed over getting the three seed or the two seed. You know, yeah. if you can avoid Villanova in the semifinals of the Big East tournament, that's probably what you want to do. So there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a catch 22 here. It's also, um, it's kind of weird to know that Providence fans are going to be rooting for UConn here. Like, I, I don't know how much you guys are aware of. Like, <laughs> oh, the, no, no, no. We're all in it. Wait, well, all... wait, wait. So actually I want to clarify that. So I feel like Chris is better, is more aware of this rivalry and this tension. I feel like your average Villanova fan is not as in tune to whatever tension is happening here. Yeah. So, so, so definitely fill us in a little bit. There, there's just, there's always, there's always been a little bit of a bitterness there, right? Because they are the two schools in the two smallest States. Um, they are the two programs that have that were always kind of overlooked together before UConn took off and won their four titles in 15 years. Uh, there's always been kind of a like a big brother, little brother um, sentiment involved there, if that makes sense. Uh, yep. You know that it would always it, it's a kind of rivalry where um, Providence. UConn fans always knock Providence for viewing this as their biggest game of the season and their biggest rival or UConn fans are like, yeah, our biggest rival is, uh, is um, Syracuse or it's Duke because we played them in the final foot, like whatever it is. It, it, there was always that kind of vibe to it. 
And now that Providence has like a definitively better team than UConn does, I think it's something where um, you've seen it ratcheted up because now Providence is the big dog. Now Providence is the team that has a very real chance to win the Big East uh, regular season title for the first time ever, mind you. They've been to the Big East for, what is it, 40-something years? Yeah. This will be their first ever Big East regular season title. So I, I don't know if you can really call yourself a Big East program if you've never actually won the Big East. <laughs> wow. Can you? Can wow. You, can you oh, man. I'm wow, just rolling. I'm say. just rolling. I'm just coming at the Providence, man. They I are so it. much fun to rile up, man. Oh, man. my I'll God. They're the what. best. They're the best to rile up. They, 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 are so, they are so funny. Yeah. Um, there, there's some that are just like that, that are – I've had to mute probably like 15 of them because it's just like the same relentless nonsense. Like, oh, you're yeah. cold, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, there's one guy, I can't remember his name, but he's now goes through every single like starting lineup for teams that UConn plays. And he tweets at me before every single game. Hey, <laughs> UConn, uh, Xavier didn't have Nate Johnson. It looks like UConn's the luckiest team in college basketball. Oh, my God. Every single game. They're now, so mad. They're so I, mad. I, well, I told him the other day, like, look, troll to troll. I respect the hustle. Like, it, it, <laughs> it, it takes some effort for you to do this every single game. I was like, I respect it. Tip, I tip my cap to you, man. It takes effort. What's so funny, dude, is 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 going through your mentions um, because because you've like you've, you never want to do that. You never you've tweeted that. a couple times like, "Oh, Providence and their luck box season" and like and stuff like that. And like, candidly though, I've listened to you a lot. You compliment the hell out of Providence on your on everything that you've been on, and yet and yet th- those handful of times that you that you've. Uh, you faded them a couple so of times and, and they're in your mentions so much. It's crazy. It's, it's yeah. The, the funniest part is like, if there's, there's just, everything is like, uh, it, it'll be, um, let me think like Seattle Friar or Charlottesville Friar. Like they, it's just the name of the town that they live in with Friar at the end of it. <laughs> and there's, there's like 500 of these guys, like the, the Friar fan or the Friar, like there's just 500 of these accounts that just yeah. exist. Yeah. Uh, all of them with like the same 60 followers and it's just they're relentlessly just hitting you over and over again and they don't understand that when i say something like um when i when i go on there and i, I say like oh providence uh they needed jared bynum to hit seven threes and he shot 14 percent last season it's more proof that they're the luckiest team in college but they, they don't understand it like that i'm i'm just saying that to rile them up <laughs> but, but so it's terrific. So it's good. terrific. So oh good. my god! Wait, when we were at, when we did the spaces after the game, a bunch of UConn and Providence fans jumped on our spaces. The UConn fans, by and large, kind of just like stayed back and listened. But the Providence fans like raised their hand to talk, and I brought them on, and they were like, "Yo, kudos to Nova." You know, the, you know, they, they they were good. Colin Gillespie's legit. I can't hate on that. Like, whatever. But I just gotta say, fuck UConn and fuck Dan Hurley, and like, like they just were. They just were so bad. Yeah, they get they 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 don't like UConn, man. They really, it's they hilarious. really do not like UConn, and uh, it's probably because UConn fans are they, they can be yeah. a little unpleasant. On well, we'll get into that. No, we'll get into that a little bit. So let's talk about the game. So a few a few weeks ago, Nova without Justin Moore was able to get Adama Sonogo in foul trouble and then really take control of that game from about halfway through the first half on. Gillespie got hurt with about 10 minutes left to go. But by that point, the, the game was already game kind was of in over. hand. Um, what's going to be different about this, this game, this time out? Hopefully Adama doesn't get two fouls in the first half. Yeah. Um, and if he does, hopefully Dan Hurley doesn't sit him again. Like that's, 
that's my biggest pet peeve with this coaching staff is that they always foul out their guys in the first half as soon as they get to. Um, I hate that. I think it's it's not just him. It's not just it's not just Dan that does it. There's a lot of coaches that do it. And I think totally. it's the I think it's the worst thing for coaches to do. Um, you got I think you got to be able to trust your guys, uh, especially like I can I can understand Adama to a point because he's not. I mean, he's only been playing basketball for five years, right? Like, he's still very young in terms of his development and learning the game. Um, a lot of it is very new to him. He doesn't he doesn't have a great feel because he, he was a soccer player. He was a goalie until he was, like, 15. Um, but, like, R.J. Cole, you're 20 – R.J. Cole's, like, 28 years old, right? <laughs> he's got the beard of a 40-year-old man, and you're, you're, you're going to sit him when he gets 2,000 in the first half? Like, you got to right. trust your guys at some point. Yeah. Especially because – like those two are so important to what they do. You know, if it's Tyrese Martin that's out, there's other pieces that you can kind of fit in to make it work, right? There is no other replacement for Adama Sonogo. There is no other replacement. There's definitely no other replacement for RJ Cole. So to me, that's that's the thing that kind of gets me is, is fouling your guys out when they get two in the first half. Uh, so hopefully that, that doesn't happen. But the biggest thing, and I've said this over and over again, the key to UConn, like when they are at their best, is when they, they have to be – the team that plays the hardest, they have to be the toughest team. They have to be the more physical team. They have to be the, all of those like different cliches and adjectives that you can use to explain a team that is basically playing their balls off the whole time. Right. That's what they need to be. Cause they're not going to beat you with skill. They're not going to be the team that uh, runs pick and rolls to death. They're like, they're, they're, they're like the opposite of what Villanova is. They have all these great athletes they are going to beat you up on the glass they need to be able to get out and transition and, and take advantage of the turnovers that they force. They need to take advantage of the easy baskets that they create from using their physical tools and, and all that. Uh, and when they're not playing that way, which kind of have like their, their motor can kind of go hot and cold when they're not playing that way. They're not very good. Um, because like, if you're part of the reason they run, if you watch them, everything they do offensively is scripted. Everything they do is a set. Everything they do is something that is kind of called from, from by Dan Hurley and by the coaching staff. And part of the reason why is that they don't have guys that are necessarily intuitive basketball players, I think is the best way to, to, to phrase it. Like Villanova, they, I think they probably have like three sets that they run, and that's it. Yeah. All, everything that they do is built around the idea of uh, beating a first defender, getting to the paint, drawing help, and finding a guy that is left open, creating closeouts, and like recycle and repeat. That's what the, the entire fake, offense then, is yeah, Just do that. Yeah. Get, get, a, get a paint touch kick it out, attack a closeout, get a paint touch, kick it out, attack a closeout until you get a layup or a three or a pull-up jumper or whatever it is, right? That is their offense. Mm -hmm. um, and UConn is like, we're going to run this double screen and we're going to have to set it up and run this counter because we've run this three times and they know what's coming here and we're going to have this counter to this, to this, to this. So they have counters to counters to counters, but it's just everything is scripted because they're not as intuitive when it comes to just being a basketball player that, that Villanova is. So um, they're very much a contrast in how teams are built. Uh, yeah. But if UConn shows up and plays as the tougher, more aggressive, uh, more physical team, then I think they have a very real chance to win because they're going to have the size advantage. Problem I think is, Ken. Sorry, go so ahead. All, all I was going to say, the problem is like Villanova is might be the the most mentally tough team in college basketball. And if you look at those dudes, every single one of those dudes looks like they're built like a weightlifter. Like they, <laughs> whoever is their strength and conditioning coach, like. Good for that guy. Like, he, yeah, he earned his paycheck. We've, we've had him on several times. His name is John Shackleton. He is, uh, he is world class. He is incredible. Um, and, and Jay listens to him, by the way. Like, like if, 
like what just a little insight into, into the program like it feels like he does a whole weight and conditioning uh strength and conditioning segment prior to the season and and then jay basically picks his mind and goes how these guys do and if these guys and if he gets like the down vote then these guys just ride the pine all year like like they don't get past if they don't get past the the, the shack fit um lab they call it and then, then then basically they don't they don't see the floor and so and so it's all about buying into the program and that's all part of it and that, that's all that, that's that's what villanova does um but look i hear your point i i i get it ken palm actually has this i think as a, recently as last night ken palm has this as uh yukon favored by yeah. by, by one um I feel like this game, even like I hear the Adama Sanogo point. One thing I've always feel like is that anytime there's a, especially in, in conference, there's a conference big. I feel like Villanova always punches above its weight class because Villanova always been undersized under Jay Wright, except for like a couple of years, but always been undersized under Jay Wright. And they always punch above their weight class down low. I feel like this game is going to be decided on the wings because RJ Cole is, is absolutely like awesome. Um, obviously Moore and Gillespie are great. Um, and then you got Dixon and Sonogo down low, obviously Sonogo's like physically looks like he should dominate Dixon, but I feel like on the wings is where this game is decided because like, that's where UConn, I always feel like is like, you mentioned Tyrese Martin, but I feel like, I feel like they're like the, they're like all X, every single one of them is an X factor. (laughs) The team goes how they go. Is that right? Yeah. To me, I think. Um, Jordan Hawkins is the guy off the right. bench that determines like, like it, if you want to go like a pure X factor, um, it's Jordan Hawkins. Like when him and Ty- Tyler Polly are making shots, it just opens so much stuff up um, offensively. And there's such, it's like the microwave score coming off the bench. Right. Uh, there, I don't think a Coca cook is going to be playing and that's a big blow because uh, he, he can create a different, like that's when all of the space gets created on the floor. When you put him at the five, and you can let him go out there and knock down shots because he's shooting like 40-something percent mm-hmm. from three. Um, I think Adama is their best player, and RJ's the most indispensable. Like, you don't have another point guard option. Jalen right. Gaffney, is, he has the confidence of a, of, of a sixth grader right now. Like He just – I don't know what happened to him this offseason, but, like, he just um, – he has not been playing well this year. Uh, RJ Cole, like he's, they need him on the floor because he's the only guy that can initiate. And then Adam is their best player. They run everything around him and the fact that you can get him for, for kind of seals and duckets. But Tyrese Martin, to your point, is the, the most important player on that team because he is the guy that brings that energy that I mentioned. He is the guy that is beating on his chest and doing the celebrations to the crowd and things like this. And when he's playing like that, when he's in that mood, it lifts everyone on that team it lifts the emotions it lifts the effort it lifts the energy like he is the guy that brings that and the crowd feeds off him too so when he decides that he wants to show up and play like that it completely changes what this UConn team is because they play like the team that they need to be when he's not playing like that then you're kind of relying on okay we're going to need Tyler to hit some shots we're going to need Jordan to hit some shots and we're going to have to hope that RJ can play a little bit of hero ball and that Adama is going to be able to get the seals that he needs to be able to be effective that doesn't always work and that's a tough way to make a living when you take a lot of tough twos and that's what they end up doing uh when Tyrese isn't playing at his best yeah it does feel like on the offensive end that UConn is thinking through their offense too much it's like that old adage if you're thinking you're not if you're thinking too much about it that you're not like it's like when you're playing golf like I don't know you're thinking about every mechanic piece in your swing 
like you're guaranteed to hit a slice. Like it's, it's one of the, it's one of those things that I, when I watch UConn, I feel like sometimes when their offense is bad, they're thinking when their offense is good, they're going. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is they, like they got to be able to be effective. It's like I said, in transition and in second chance yeah. points where you can get kind of easy layups off of effort and athleticism and just playing harder than the other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they just, they don't really have guys like they, I think that that's probably a pretty good point because they don't really have guys, like I said, that are going to be the intuitive players. Like they, they run sets over and over and over again, because that's what they need to do to be able to create offense. They don't really have anyone that can go get a shot on their own. You know, mm-hmm. look at their roster right now. If you're going to isolate somebody right to go get a bucket, you want to, it's the end of a clock you need to run a one, four low, whatever it is, who can you trust to go get a good shot? If you isolate them, you can't trust Adamo because you double him, he's going to turn the ball over. He's had like three or four times a season where he's just backed people down until the shot clock went off. Um, Tyrese, maybe, uh, but he's, again, like you, you kind of know what he's doing. He's going to square you up. He's going to jab right. He's going to go left, and he's going to try to finish with that little like awkward kind of sliding floater, whatever you call it. Andre Jackson is not someone that you can isolate at this point. Isaiah Whaley is not an offensive threat beyond like knocking down an open jumper at this point. Uh, Jalen Gaffney, you can't really trust. Tyler Polly's a catch and shoot guy. Jordan Hawkins is too, too, uh, he needs to get in uh, Coach Shackelford's weight and conditioning program. Let's put it like that. Um, and RJ Cole's a guy. RJ so Cole's a guy. Basically, comes down to like, if you can't get something out of all of these sets and these schemes and the stuff that they run, then you need to rely on RJ Cole being a god. And RJ Cole, he's been fantastic this year. He's also he's awesome. a five foot 11 MEAC transfer, right? Yeah. Like, he kind of is what he is. So, um, that's why, yeah, I, I, I agree with your point. It's just, it's kind of, it gets, it's frustrating to watch at times when they are not playing with the effort that they need because then it just becomes so glaringly obvious that this team has some very real uh, issues offensively. I hear so, Rob, I got to ask, who wins? I, I, I mean, how, can you ever pick against Villanova? Like, I don't think I'll ever pick against Villanova in a big spot in a big game. I just, the, we saw it, we saw it in the second half of Providence, right? Like that walking into that gym in that moment, in that environment with that fan base and that crowd, like that was, that was, they were over capacity there. Like they were just letting a whole bunch of fans just kind of snuck in and they just let them stay in. Right. <laughs> and it's awesome. they're loud. And I don't know how many people, you know, from Providence, but they are, uh, they, they enjoy their cold beverages, and when they get some cold beverages in them, they are feisty. Yeah. And it did not rattle them. Like, Villanova, th- th- those dudes are robots. And I mean that as a compliment. Like, Colin Gillespie, <laughs> like, if you watch him, he could he had the same facial expression after, sh- like, scoring 33 points and hitting a couple of huge threes down the stretch as he did with probably when, like, I don't know, like a girl broke up with him or something like that, right? Like he just, he's never, his, his facial expressions never change. And everybody on that roster, their facial expressions never change. They don't get rattled. Now, there's going to be times where they get their asses kicked. Like we saw it with, with Baylor, right? Yeah. Um, but they, they're never going to be, the moment's never going to be too big for them. They're just so calm, cool, and collected. And uh, I, I just, I, I expect it at this point. Like it's Villanova, man. Like they're just going to go out there and they do what they do. Um, now, how does UConn win? I think they need to get uh, 15 to 18 offensive rebounds. I think they need to get uh, a combined 30 to 35 points in transition or on the offensive glass. And they need Tyler Polly and Jordan Hawkins to come in and make some shots off the bench. And if all of that happens, then I think we're going to be in a situation where you're in a tight game down the stretch. And if it's in a yeah. tight game down the stretch, like I'm not, 
you're, you're going to pick Villanova or you're going to pick UConn, who's one and eight in one possession games under Dan Hurley over Villanova and Jay Wright. Like, I, I don't have a great feeling, if you guys can tell. Yeah, fair enough. Fair I, enough. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I, look, I'm I'm a little bit more pessimistic on the Villanova side, but the, not necessarily because I think because I don't disagree with anything that you said necessarily. But no, Providence. I mean, UConn can be very physical, etc. It's going to be. I think this is going to be a rock fight. The first game was high scoring. I think this game is going to be more of a rock fight. Um, if it's a rock fight, then I think UConn has a real chance. If yeah. it's something where UConn's got to score 85 or 90 points to win, like they're not, they're not, that's not happening. The, the, the thing is, is that I'm surprised the first game wasn't a rock fight because candidly, Jay Wright like loves rock fights. Like he just, he, like he'll just throw the rock fight out like every so often. I feel like yeah, <laughs> just, I, I don't think people realize that they, they play at one of the slowest paces in all of college basketball. Like, and they have forever yeah. under Jay. Like yeah. that's they walk the ball up. It, it's, I think it kind of got overlooked because they were just so ruthlessly efficient. Like the 2018 team was, was that, that a team little was bit, yeah. That was that was also a little bit of, of an outlier in terms of how fast they played. Mm-hmm. But everything else has been, you know, he's always in like the 340s or 350s um, in terms of tempo on Kempom, and and I think it's 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 by design because yeah. he knows that you know you get them in a half court, and he's got all of these guys that know how to run ball screens and people that you can't guard. Yeah. smart no and and so and so that's why I feel, I feel like oh man this this could wind up as a rock fight and then and then you're coming down to a you know a couple possession game down the stretch but with that said i just want to take the temperature a little bit um on the program on uconn as a program um you know as a whole kind of because i've i've had i've i've listened to some of the top dogs podcasts that you've had i've i've listened i've read some of the tweets from uconn twitter um, which UConn Twitter is terrific, uh, but, I've, but I've read some of the tweets and it feels like there's like this group of fans who I haven't been able to pin down necessarily, who are starting to get a little bit impatient, starting to get a little bit negative with Hurley and, and kind of the, 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 the program. And when I listen to you, I feel like, man, you gotta, you, gotta, you guys gotta calm down, et cetera. I listen to top dogs and you guys, it, you know, you are kind of in this zone of like, Guys, like we're we're on the right track here. I, I, by the way, I happen to agree. I think UConn is like set up very well. I've seen some of the recruits that they're that they're that they're getting, um, and some of the direction of the program, the culture that they're building there. I seem, to, in my mind, this is like all heading the right direction. But what is going on in the UConn fan base that there's some people out there who are a little bit more negative? They they just want they want it to be what it was in 2009. Right. They wanted right. to be what it was when Jim Calhoun was running this thing and they were getting any player that they wanted. Um, and they were top five every year because everybody knew you go to UConn, you play two, three years, and then you're going to end up being a top five to 10 pick if you're good enough. Right. And it's not that right now. Uh, fans forget that four years ago when Danny Hurley took over the program, they were under 500 and they were playing in the AAC. Right. In 2018, I'm going to bring it up right now. In 2018, um, in his first year with the program, 2018-19, uh, they went 16 and 17. They were 6 and 12 in the American, right? In the American. They were Ugh. one of the worst teams in the American. It was like Unreal. them and East Carolina and Tulsa. Like, that's what this program was when Danny Hurley got it. And he could have, I'm, I'm sure, could have gone out and gotten some more of these, like, five-star guys that would have tried to change what it is immediately. 
And that's not what he's done. He's gone out and gotten players that are a little bit more of projects, guys like James Booknight, who have a high upside that need development, guys like Adama Sinogo, who have a high upside but need development, guys like the commit they got from Georgia, Stephen Castle, who has a high upside but is going to need some development. Like, it's, it's, it takes time to get this where it needs to be. And the other part of it is, like, there's frustration on – losing the close games there have been a lot mm-hmm. of close games where there have been a lot of bad possessions late in games that have cost UConn wins and that's kind of what UConn is at this point because they are a team like I said that basically has one guy that can create a shot for himself and when you get to an end of game scenario and teams kind of know what's coming it's very difficult sometimes to get that shot uh, when you're kind of in in that moment I, I don't know if you guys watched the the Seton Hall UConn game but the one that always sticks out to me is they're down by one at the end of overtime on the road at Seton Hall, and they run a play where they're, they're supposed to get a, a seal for Adama Sonogo, and Tyrese Martin gets the ball in the wing, and the seal's not there, and Adama's the pass is in there to Adama in the post, and Tyrese kind of, like, he just, he freezes, and he doesn't really know what to do when, you know, you're Tyrese Martin. Put the ball on the floor and go to the rim and go get fouled and go make a play. Right. right. That's kind of, I understand why fans are frustrated about that. And, it, you know, it's frustrating to me, too, and I'm sure it's frustrating to that coaching staff. But I always try to tell people this, like, they are top 20 or top 25 in every single metric that matters, right? We're sitting here right now, and UConn is 19-7 and seven overall. They are 10-5 and five in the Big East, and they're coming off of wins over Xavier and Seton Hall at home that were relatively uh, stress-free wins. Like the, the, Xavier got a little bit close in the second half. I never doubted was, that you guys were going to win those games yeah, based first, on watching them. Yeah. The first half wasn't great against Seton Hall. Um, so yeah, like I, I get it. Okay. But if I were, was going to tell you that, um, at the start of the season, UConn would be 19 and seven heading into a home game with Villanova where they had just won three in a row and four of their last five, right? They're third in the big East and they have a chance to climb their way to a top three or four seed if they win out. Right. And if they make a run of the big East tournament, you would have told, told me that was that, that, that you wouldn't be thrilled with that season. Like right. it, it, it's, it's the fact that they had the win over Auburn and the close losses that has raised the level of expectation for what this program should be. Instead of saying, you know what, like we're pretty damn good for a team that four years ago was basically East Carolina. Yeah. So right. that's, that's where the, that's where the angst comes from. I think another part of that is that I think a lot of people discount the double round Robin of the big East. Yeah, like, 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 a, this, this league is good this year in general, but B, you have to play teams twice <laughs> and they know you. And, mm-hmm. and to the point on UConn 15, I mean, sorry, four championships in 15 years, like these, the kids playing still have, the, especially the 11 and 14 titles fresh on their mind. They watch those championships as kids growing up. Like the UConn is still UConn. In the, on the front of the jersey, even if the program is kind of they're, they're they're beyond the rebuild phase, but like you know, kind of trying to climb that final ladder, the final couple rungs in the ladder to go from like okay, good solid top twenty five program to elite, like it's it's a it's a grind. And in the Big East Conference, when you have to play every team twice, it is not easy. And I feel like there's like almost like a discounting. Well, this Big East is not the old Big East. But like people forget, big old biggies had USF, DePaul, yeah. uh, you know, and a bunch of teams. St. John's and Seton Hall weren't good. Providence wasn't particularly good at that time. Like 
the old Big East had a lot of dregs and it was an unbalanced schedule. UConn typically did play a tougher one because, you know, money, um, but, and ratings, but like, there was a lot of easy wins in that league uh, where this league has other than Georgetown doesn't have an easy win this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. And, and to your point, like when you're building a program um, it's relatively easy to get yourself to be good, right. To be in the mix, to be in the tournament. Like that's something that a lot of coaches can do. It's not easy to go, to go take that next step to yeah. where you are, the cream of the crop to where you are a top 10 team nationally to where you are competing for final fours and national titles. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't happen immediately. And the fact of the matter is like what Jim Calhoun did at UConn in stores, Connecticut is right there with Scott drew winning a title at Baylor as the best building job in the history of college mm -hmm. basketball, like not a re rebuilding job, a building job that mm -hmm. what, the fact that this is a, a nationally relevant basketball program is something of a miracle. I don't know if you guys have ever been to stores, Connecticut, but there's not a lot of there other than like cows. That's what they got. <laughs> they got cows and corn, right? That there's no reason that there should be a basketball powerhouse in stores, Connecticut. So you got to give it time to, to get back to what it is and just enjoy the fact that you care. Like, this is what I tell, tell fans all the time. Enjoy the fact that you care again. Enjoy the fact that like these losses are crushing. Right. Yeah. Because you didn't feel like that three, four years ago. Right. They were indifferent a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather be, have my weekend ruined by a, a bad loss than um, forget that the team is actually playing. Yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to talk so much about like, you know, the, the Hurley and the program and the fans kind of embracing this heel mentality, kind of like, you know, coming in as the bad boys of the, uh, of the conference, but I, I am, I'm, I do want to be respectful of, of your time. You, uh... well, I, I will say this, um, his, his personality really fits with what the UConn fan base is, right? Yeah. The, the, the state of Connecticut, most of the people that live on the, the 95 and the 91 corridors, uh, very much, um, are similar to the people that would be living in Jersey city in terms of kind of that, uh, New York, mentality right uh, it's it's similar to what what it's like living in providence so uh, the fact that you have this this brash guy coming in that's willing to to be this nuts and be this intense and care this much and wear it on his sleeve and be this passionate about it and not be afraid uh for people to think that he's a weirdo for for all of these like kind of insane habits that he has um the connecticut fan base has really embraced that right now it can be a little bit grating and I'm sure it's not the easiest thing in the world to play for him, but Jim Calhoun was an asshole. Like it was not easy to play for him too. If you win, your players will show up, even if you're, you know, not the nicest human being in the world. So yeah. um, it, he, he very much fits what this fan base is looking for out of the coach and kind of the personality of the people that are going to be supporting that program. I love it. And I, by the way, I love having a heel. I think we need that in the league, but yeah. like, Villanova is like as, as much as Villanova fans love to be like, you know, tough and whatever, like, well, we've won so much or whatever. They're too Villan bland to hate. Like, yeah, it's too, too hard too to hate. To we're hate. not hateable. We're not hateable. Like, if anything, you hate us because we're not like aggressive enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's because we're bland as a fan base. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. It's yeah. like the, you, got, you got a bunch of these nerds that live on the main line. It's like, <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. Yeah, so you're, not, it, you're not wrong. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> a, you're not wrong. And B, I love the fact that like, we got a, we got UConn people back in the, in, in the conference and like the it's conference crazy. needs a little bit of that angst. I'll tell you what, it, man, it's good. It's good to be back in the conference where you, where you, you hate the other teams, right? Yeah. Like, where you, it's just like, you care about it. You're invested. Like right. it just, it's, it's nice to be invested again. Biggie's right. Big tournament's going to be fun. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, it is. It's going to be wild. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. All righty. Rob, hey, thank, thanks so much uh, for joining us. And uh, this was a real treat for, for our listeners. And uh, we really appreciate you jumping on with us. Always a pleasure, guys. Hope we get that win on Tuesday night. <laughs> I hope we get our win. But um, nevertheless, thank, thanks again to, uh, to Rob Doster for joining us here on the Full 40. That wraps up uh, this week's episode Um, So thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.